0: Passage this morning, John 16, and so I, I know the scriptures are up on the PowerPoint, but I do always invite you to open your Bibles, John chapter 16, verses 23 to 28, and um, as you know, we're coming to the end of Jesus' farewell, his closing words to his disciples before the cross, and. And and throughout this long discourse, in which he's been talking with the disciples, the disciples have had, here's one of the key words for this morning, it's in your handout, the blank, the disciples have had many questions. Peter asked in chapter 13, Lord, where are you going? So, there was a question. And then he asked, uh, in a verse later, he said, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I don't understand. Explain this to me. Thomas asked a little bit later, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Then a little bit later, Judas, not Iscariot, the other Judas, asked, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And no doubt the disciples had all sorts of other questions that they didn't actually ask out loud. Um, so John said last week that the disciples were confused and that they were wishing to question Jesus. But they, for some reason, at this point, weren't brave enough to do so. So we read in John 16, some of his disciples then said to one another, what is this thing he's telling us? A little while and you will no longer see me, and again a little while and you will see me. And because I go to the Father, So they were saying, what is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what what he is talking about. Lots of questions, right? It's it's throughout the discourse. And Jesus responds to all these questions, not really by answering them, right? Um, But he does tell his disciples, as a little bit further insight, maybe, that they're going to cry. They're going to weep and lament
1: but then that their sorrow is going to be turned into joy because he's going to see them again and because they're going to see Jesus again. So
0: when the disciples actually see Jesus after he is raised from the dead, they see this man that they always knew before or thought they knew before. Now they see him raised from the dead then this veil that's been in front of their eyes all the time is like when Paul, when Paul was converted, the scales fall out of his eyes. Well, the disciples have had this veil over their faces. When they see Jesus resurrected, that veil is going to fall away. All the fleshly weakness of Jesus is gone, and they're going to see Jesus for who he really is, in his in his power to save sinners like they are. See, they had never seen that that before. His power to save sinners from their sin. When they see that, when they understand in your handout, when they understand, they're not just going to see him again. They're going to understand who he is. Then they're going to rejoice with a joy that no one can take away from them. No matter what happens, no matter what comes, that joy will abide forever. But, But there's a little bit of a qualification. I don't like to call it a qualification, but maybe that's helpful. Jesus continues in verse 23 now, and he says, And on that day,
1: you will not question me about anything. Okay? So before we come to the no more questions part,
0: I just want to point out that when he says, on that day, you know, that's one of those phrases that you kind of have to say it with the right Tone, And on that day, right, because it's used over and over in the Old Testament, referring to the eschatological or the, the last day of final judgment and final salvation when the Messiah comes and everything is fulfilled. That day, on that day. Now here, Jesus says on that day, and what is he talking about? He's talking about just a few days from now when I rise from the dead. The resurrection begins that day. So what he's saying here is that it's it's, it's when I rise from the dead, that's going to bring in the last days. Not the last days as in the gloomy, do, gloom and doom kind of stuff, the last days. No, that's going to bring in the last days that the prophets all told you were coming and that I know you have been waiting for for generations and generations. They're going to be here. As of my resurrection from the dead. And so it's his resurrection that ushers in this new creation. This, this, this Messiah's age of fulfillment. These are the last days that we're living in. We're living in these days. And so Jesus says, on that day. Okay, you got the day, this big
1: picture. When I see you again. And your heart is glad. On that day you will not question me about anything. Now,
0: the the great thing about when Jesus says, you will not question me, we immediately think, oh man, that's going to be a big change. (laughs) Because the disciples have just been, they can't stop asking questions, right? He says, then you're not going to ask me any more questions. No more questions. You won't even have any more questions. Because their joy is going to be the joy of understanding. See, we we think, oh man, how wonderful it would be if if a loved one who's passed away were to be raised up from the dead and we saw their face again. That would be joy. Jesus isn't talking about just that joy. He's talking about the joy of
1: understanding. They're going to understand why Jesus had to die and why he had to be
0: raised from the dead. They're going to understand that. They're going to understand how the Hebrew scriptures, their Old Testament, how they're all fulfilled in the incarnation of the eternal word. John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Like John writes that, but at the time, John couldn't have had a clue what he was talking about if he said it, and he didn't. He said it after. So the eternal word becomes flesh and dwells among us. They're going to understand how they're fulfilled in Jesus' whole earthly life and ministry when he kept the law of God perfectly and fulfilled it on our behalf. Obeying the Father in all that he did so that, so, that, so that we can have his righteousness as a free gift to us. They're going to understand how they're fulfilled in his sufferings and his death on a cross. They looked at their Old Testament, and they they just couldn't quite see suffering and death in there for the Messiah. But then they're going to understand, oh, it was there. I see. I understand. They're going to see how they're fulfilled in Jesus' heavenly session at the Father's right hand, ruling and reigning. On that day, when Jesus sees them again, and they see him, and their hearts rejoice, they won't
1: have any more questions. No more.
0: Now, this doesn't mean, of course, that they'll have a perfect knowledge of all God's plans and ways, like, like as though we know everything God knows, right? That's not what he's talking about. But on the other hand, I don't, we don't want to minimize what Jesus is saying here. What he's saying is, you're going to see, in your handout, you're going to see
1: clearly the one in whom are hidden. What's the word? All. Yeah. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So maybe
0: we could say it like this. They're going to know the key to all wisdom and knowledge. They're going to see clearly that key. And so with that key, with that key, we can unlock everything. That's what they're going to see clearly. But right now, they still don't have the key. They don't don't see the key. So they can't unlock anything. So they're full of questions. Right. It's in this sense that, brothers and sisters, think about it like this. We do have, you and I, have a perfect, a kind of perfect and complete knowledge. So that we, don't longer, we no longer need anyone to teach us. There is a perfect and complete knowledge we have. And so when someone comes along and says, here, let me teach you this secret knowledge, you'll say, no, no, I don't need anyone to teach me, I know it all. I know it all
1: already it's in this sense that we can say we do know all things and yet and yet know that
0: we still have so far to go to grow into our understanding of all the, of all of the all things we know you see we know all things but i got to grow into a deeper understanding of the all things i know that's the christian life the christian life is not a, is not about uh, you, 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 still, you don't know everything yet. You do. Now you've got to grow into it. And that involves us, in our language, learning more, right? Knowing more. So it's just this, it's this beautiful tension. As Christians, we should not underestimate what we have come to know. So if you know the gospel, and you know the gospel as it's been revealed in Jesus, then you know all things. And I want to point this out, because sometimes we could say, oh yeah, I know, all, I know all things about the gospel, right? I mean, and again, we have to qualify that. But I mean, I could say that about, I mean, I pretty much, if you're an expert in your field, you could say, oh, I pretty much know all things about that. No, but we're not talking about just knowing all things about one narrow little topic. We're talking about the all things that sums up
1: the goodness of God. And the wisdom of God. And the power of God. So brothers and sisters. We know. This is a big statement. We know the entirety. Of the truth. Upon which our lives can be safely built. We know it all. First Corinthians chapter 2. Paul says, but we impart a secret and hidden
0: wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches how much? Everything. Even the depths of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person, the person who has the Spirit, right? Paul is not saying, well, there's all the carnal half of the Christians, and then there's the spiritual half of the Christians, and the spiritual Christians get it, and the carnal might not. No, Peter's, but Paul is saying, everyone who has the Spirit, and that's all true Christians, judges." All things, but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But brothers and sisters, we have, and perhaps we could say we
1: have been given the mind of Christ. Remember what Jesus said in chapter 14 of John. But the
0: helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And, 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 and that all things has now been recorded in the scriptures, right? The apostles wrote them down. And he will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you, John chapter 16. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into how much of the truth? All the truth. And so we read now in 1 John chapter 2. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know... Because, But here's the thing, teachers were coming into the church and saying, you, you don't yet know everything, I have a bit of secret knowledge here, um, a, a secret key to life, right? right, right? The, the, the key to unlock the successful, truly successful Christian life, I have that key here that you don't know about yet. And John says, no, they can't tell you that. Because you do know, you know, period. He says, you know, and that is it. Then he says, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you
1: have no need for anyone to teach you. So what am I doing here? Right. I'm not giving you any secret knowledge that you don't already have in the gospel. You have it all, you know. You don't need anyone to teach you like that. And I will I, I must never teach you like that. But as his anointing teaches you about here it is again. All things. And is true and
0: is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you abide in him. Don't go beyond the teaching. So if we've believed the gospel, and what does that mean? It means I have savingly understood it. Then I know all things. Which means. We see clearly. The one who is the truth. I see Jesus. He's the truth. And he has made no, he is the one who is made known to us. Here again I'm quoting. If I say all things a lot. It's because the Bible says all things a lot. He has made known to us all things. That he heard from his father. So. Don't, don't look for the next greatest key to living the Christian
1: life. Don't, don't look for that. Not only that, don't look for any other life to live but the Christian life. Right?
0: There's no other life worth living. Any other philosophy, any other wisdom upon which you are to build your life because we're all building our life on something. We're all building our life on something. It's just a matter of what are we building it on. So ask yourself the question. Of course, Jesus said he who builds his house on the rock, right, is the one who listens to my words. And so often we're, we are sidetracked with other, other thoughts, other wisdoms, as it were, other philosophies. Instead of looking to anything else, we should be striving to grow into that perfect and complete knowledge we've already been given. After all, this knowledge
1: that we have,
0: it's a living knowledge. We're, we're in a facts-based world, aren't we? Where you just get information and store it in retrieval systems and all of that. But, but the knowledge the Bible talks about is a knowledge that's alive. It's a knowledge that's living. It's a knowledge by which we learn to experientially prove what the will of God is, what's good and acceptable and perfect. I believe that helps us to make sense then of what Jesus says next in verses 23 to 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be made complete. So here's my question for you. Okay, why haven't the disciples yet asked the Father for anything in Jesus' name? Why haven't they done that? And the answer is simply because they're still asking questions. That's a different Greek word. So they haven't been asking the Father for anything in Jesus' name because they're too busy, Asking questions. How can this be? Why is that? When is that going to be? Right? And that's not their fault necessarily. It's just the way it is right now. So we can put it together like this On that day, you will not question me about anything. And therefore, on that day, you will ask the Father in my name. Do you see this connection that Jesus is is putting together? Because when the disciples have all their questions answered, as we do today, then they're going to see clearly the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're going to know all things. And here's the the main point. As a result of of the all things that they know, okay, of this full gospel knowledge that fills their minds and their hearts, as a result of knowing all things, then they will bring their requests to the Father in Jesus' name. What that means is that what's, what's going to be new about the disciples' prayers now? Is it going to be new like, oh, God's finally going to do what people ask for? Well, God never answered prayers before, but now he will because they're praying in Jesus' name. Or, or is it now, uh, well, before God never really even heard them because Jesus hadn't come yet, but now he's going to hear them. No, what's new about these prayers? What's new about these prayers is that they're going to reflect the character of the, of the new day in which we live, on that day. So I, we're going to pray in ways they couldn't before, because we're living in the day when we understand everything, when, when all of God's saving plans have been made known to us. And so our prayers take on this, this new character in Christ. Okay. That's, that's what's new. So what will be the nature then of the things they're asking for? And, and it's not that the Old Testament saints asked for fundamentally different things. But what we're going to ask for now, Jesus is saying, is that God, Lord, let me grow into a deeper, truer knowledge of this all things that I already know, Lord. I know it all. Not just in my head. I know it here in my heart, but now I want to keep, I want to growing into that so that I can be
1: living out of that. Help me, help me, God, to do that. And we ask in specific ways. Right?
0: They'll be asking for the things that will enable them to, to live out
1: what they know and all that they've seen in the gospel of Jesus Christ.
0: And so they'll be asking the Father in Jesus' name. Notice, um, notice in verse 22, Jesus said, Therefore you also have sorrow now. Remember the sorrow and the joy. But I will see you again. Your heart will rejoice. And no one will take your joy away from you. And now, Jesus says, Okay, he just said, no one will ta- you'll, you'll have joy. No one will take your joy away. You'll have it forever. Now he says, Ask and you will
1: receive so that your joy may be made Complete. This is interesting, okay? Okay, I
0: I have a joy you can't take away from me. Try, right? If I'm God's, if I'm truly his, you can't. The world can't. All the forces of the whole universe literally cannot take the joy away that God has given to me and to you. But then Jesus talks nevertheless about our joy being made complete. So here's my question. So that what joy may be made complete?
1: What joy? Well, your joy in knowing that I've seen you, Jesus, sees us,
0: and that we're his redeemed offspring. That's from last week, right? Your, your joy in truly seeing me and knowing all things. So, brothers and sisters, the reason we ask is so that this joy might be made complete in us. Right? The things we ask for are the things that will bring this joy to completion. What joy? The joy of understanding and knowing all things in the gospel. I want that to come to completion in
1: me. So I'm going to ask for all the things that will do that. What then does that mean you'll ask for? When we ask in Jesus' name, the Father will always give us exactly what we ask for. Therefore, and and I I was really just
0: meditating on this last week for me, if our gospel joy is not complete, and, and I don't know what that even means. It's a journey, right? It's a process. But if our gospel joy is not complete, It's because, Jesus says, we're not asking. Or else it's because the things we're asking for are not the result of our knowledge of all things. They're not the result of the joy I already have. I already have a joy. And so out of that joy, I now bring my request to the Father so that that joy that I have might be made complete. Jesus goes on to make this more explicit even in verses 25 to 26. These things I have spoken to you in figures of speech. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly of the Father. Here it is again. On that day, when you have no more questions, you will ask in my name. Now we already looked at this verse several a couple of weeks ago in Somewhat in depth. So I'm going to kind of uh, um, pass over it a little bit here. But I'll ask this question What does Jesus telling us plainly about the Father have to do with asking in Jesus' name? So I'm, on that day, I'm going to tell you plainly about the Father. And then when I've told you plain about, plainly about the Father, you're going to ask the Father in my name. What is that? How does that go together? Think about it. I'm not actually going to. Wait until you say something, but maybe until you think about it. What is, what is asking the Father, um, what is telling us plainly about the Father have to do with me now asking
1: the Father in Jesus' name? Key. Remember that in John's Gospel, Jesus and the Father are like one. Isn't that what Jesus said?
0: So, the, the divine honor that belongs to the Father belongs to the Son. The divine works that the Father does are the works that the Son does. Think about this. The Son speaks whatever he heard the Father speak and whatever he saw with the Father. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus said, all things that the Father has are mine. He who has seen me has seen the Father. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The Father, abiding in me, does his works. I and the Father are one. I love to put those together just to get the full power of that. And then we read in the first chapter of John, Jesus says, or John says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So here's the answer to our question. When Jesus says, I'm going to tell you plainly about the Father, that's as much as to say, I'm going to fully disclose, well, in your handout, himself. I'm going to fully disclose myself to you. Do you see that? I'm going to tell you plainly about the Father. And that means I'm going to disclose myself fully to you. Because where do we see the Father, brothers and sisters? We see the Father in the Son, in Jesus, right? So when Jesus tells us plainly about the Father, that means we're going to see Jesus clearly. And now we can come to the Father through Jesus, in Jesus' name, because we understand. Oh, I'm I'm just seeing it now, right? So like, I pray, Lord, I always pray, Lord, help me to get and understand my message Sunday morning. Right? Finally, i'll get it after a week of preparations. This is the culmination for me when I understand this is one of those times when Lord's answering that prayer. So we come to the Father now because we 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 see in Jesus the Father, and so so, therefore, we pray to the Father in Jesus name. When Jesus tells us plainly of the Father, then we'll see in Jesus. The full extent of the Father's love for us. Where do you see the Father's love for us? In Jesus. We'll see in Jesus the full extent of the wisdom and power of God
1: revealed in our salvation. And then? And then what? No more questions. We'll know all things.
0: And that means that brothers and sisters, now we don't have any more questions, we know all things, and so now we ask the Father in jesus name, prayer, prayer is beautiful, prayer is certainly isn't prayer one of the one of the least uh understood and explored treasures
1: that that God has given to us as Christians now our asking is the expression of
0: our desire to, in your handout, to know more fully and live more faithfully the all things I already know, this completed revelation we've been given in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus isn't saying we can't ask for healing. This is what we always wonder. Can I ask to be healed then? And if I ask to be healed in Jesus' name, why doesn't Jesus heal me? right? Or heal, Or heal my friend or my family member? And can I ask for a better job? A better job that will provide better for my family? Can I ask for that? Or what about the restoration of a broken relationship? I want this relationship to be healed. Or, or the salvation, even. Let's get even more spiritual, right? The salvation of a neighbor or a family member. And of course, it's good and it's right. We ought to ask for these things. But let's—I mean, let's be clear. These are not the things Jesus promises the Father will give us when we ask in his name. But, but 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 then are we selling God short? Is it like, oh bummer
1: this is a real this is not so good as I thought it was, right I, I hope that 's not how we see it
0: because when Jesus promises the father what Jesus promises the father will give us let's let 's be clear about what He promises, what does he promise and by the way, only when we ask because sometimes I think we think. Yeah, I don't really ask for it, but I think I have it anyway. I think I'm having a pretty joyful Christian life, even though I've never asked for anything. Right? I mean, we wouldn't say that. But, but the point Jesus
1: makes here is, when does God give these things to us? When we ask. And only when we ask. So, what Jesus promises
0: he'll give us is the always increasing joy, that's his word, joy of knowing the gospel more fully, the all things we already know, and living the gospel more faithfully. So if we don't know what that means, and I I, I had I had to meditate on this thing, well, I don't know, do I understand that? And I thought to myself, if I don't know what that means or what that looks like, is it because I'm too accustomed to
1: asking Wrongly, to spend it on my pleasures. Or maybe it's because
0: we're not really in the habit of asking for much at all. So we haven't learned through experience what this looks like. But Jesus is very clear. He says that our joy in your handout will only be made complete when we're asking and therefore receiving. Now there's, there's, there's a certain happiness when someone gives us a present. You open the present... And there's an excitement, and then usually, if it's a good one, you're pretty happy for a moment, for a little while. Right? But this is such a, this is an exponentially greater joy. Right? When we receive a gift from the Father, the gift of knowing more fully and living more faithfully in, in, our, in our daily lives, of, of fleshing out all things that we know, right?
1: that's, that's the completion of our joy. That's, that's just like they're wrapping it up. And so apart from
0: this constant asking and this constant receiving, I would ask you, where is the joy in the Christian life? Where is it if we're not asking constantly and constantly receiving? Apart from this constant asking and receiving, how can we be knowing the gospel more fully and living the gospel more faithfully? Because, as I said, I think often we think we can we're doing all right, even though I rarely pray. And I rarely ask. Therefore, I'm rarely receiving. right? But I'm, pretty, I'm doing pretty good. Jesus says no. To think that we can is to think we can do so in the flesh, by the power of our own striving. And so it's ultimately to have a form of godliness, which we, all of us can so easily have, is the form of godliness, but to lack the true power thereof. So listen again to the words of Jesus now, brothers and sisters, to, to his words as they stand in the pages of Scripture. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy the joy you have in knowing me and knowing you're my redeemed offspring so that this joy may be made complete. These things I have spoken to you in figures of speech an hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech but will tell you plainly of the Father I will disclose myself fully to you on that day
1: you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you
0: that I will request of the Father on your behalf. By the way, I, I, did a, I did for myself a very extensive word study on the two words for ask or request, eritao and, and iteo. It, it, it'll be on the website if you want to look it up, because it might confuse you that this word is used here, eratao, if you've been noticing that stuff. Um, but I think there's a reason. Anyway. Uh, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. So how can we be so sure
1: of the Father giving us whatever we ask in Jesus' name? How can we be so sure of that? And simple answer is, and I, I love this, because he loves us. That's why. And he loves us not just with this general,
0: and I'm not, I'm not demeaning this love, so I should not only with the general benevolent love with which he loves everyone in the world, he loves us with a saving, electing love that, that
1: chooses us and calls us to himself and draws us to himself and makes us
0: his own, and fits us for heaven. That's the kind of love he loves you with. That kind of love. And how do we know that the Father then loves us like that? Because we have loved Jesus and believed that he came forth from the Father. Again, we have to be careful. Jesus isn't saying that our love causes the Father's love for us. It's not like we love him and God says, oh, I'll love you back. No, it's the opposite that's true. What did Jesus say in chapter 6? No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. All that the Father gives me will come to me. So I say to myself and I say to you, if we have loved Jesus and believed that he came forth
1: from the Father, no more questions, then we know that the Father Himself loves us. That's what John is saying. If you've believed
0: that, the, that Jesus came from the Father, do you know what, you, what else you know then? You know that the Father loves you. And if we know that the Father himself loves us, well then, he will never fail ever to give us all and exactly what we ask for in
1: Jesus' name. It's that simple, and it's that wonderful. It's like, like, you know, it's like nothing's
0: free, or nothing can be that good, or that's too good to be true. No, it's that simple, and it's that wonderful. The more we know the Father's love for us, the more time we'll spend asking. And then, the more abundantly we'll receive, and then the more complete will our joy be in the gospel and then
1: the more we will know the father's love for us and the more time we'll spend asking the more we'll receive the more complete will our joy be and then the more we'll know the father's love for us
0: jesus just said that the disciples have believed that he came forth from the father now he goes on to say all that this single belief Ultimately includes now. Before we, we read this passage, this because this is the really the conclusion essentially. Um, I was so excited to get to this verse and to see like I, I I kind of been writing and preparing and thinking and you know talking about knowing all things and then guess what Jesus does? He comes here in this verse and sums up. All the things that... The, the all things that we know. He says, now, now here's the all things you know. So you don't... Once you know this, you don't have any more questions. So in one verse, brothers and sisters, in one verse, Jesus is going to do something amazing here, as he always does when he speaks. But verse 28 says, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. Now... We know all things.
1: Did you see all things in that? Okay, because here in a nutshell is the whole gospel in your handout viewed as it must be in the person of Jesus. Here in a nutshell is the,
0: you know what the phrase is there? All things. There it is. Here's the all things that we know so that we no longer have any questions? So let's, 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 let's unpack it. I mean, very briefly. So this could be a whole series, right? It could be all of eternity, maybe. But let's just unpack it here in just about a couple minutes. I came forth from the Father, Jesus says. That's not just an empty fact, is it? That's a living truth. And so in this, what do we see? We see the divine origin of Jesus. Where did he come from? his divine origin, and therefore his divine person, that he is God, fully God, and his divine authority, that I am absolutely accountable to Jesus. In this we see that Jesus is himself the revelation of the Father. He came from
1: the Father. Therefore, he reveals the Father to us. Do you understand? I came forth from the Father and have come into the world.
0: So this is now not where he came from, but where he came to. And in this, what do we see? We see Jesus humbling himself. If he came from the Father, came into the world, what does that mean? That is the ultimate humbling. By becoming flesh, living among us, suffering, dying for us in our place. In this we see the saving mission of Jesus as the light in John, the light of the world, the life of the world. I came into the world to be the light and the life of the world. I came forth from the Father from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again. What what is that about? Well, we see two things in that. Number one, we see Jesus' resurrection. Insofar as this fallen world can no longer be the home of Jesus in his resurrection glory. Jesus, in his his fleshly weakness, could live on planet Earth with a bunch of other people who are weak and frail. But when Jesus is raised in his glorified body, this is no place for him. Right? And so he goes back to the Father. Uh, Well, is that what I'm... He's leaving the world. I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. He's leaving the world because this is no place for him anymore. He's been resurrected. He lives in, in resurrection glory. And also in this, we see Jesus' victory over the world. The world has no hold on Jesus. The world cannot hold Jesus, cannot keep him captive. He leaves the world having accomplished the victory. And then to complete the all things that we know. I came forth from the Father. I have come into the world loaded with meaning.
1: I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. So in this, we see the Father's full acceptance,
0: full approval, 100% of Jesus' finished work on the cross. In this we see Jesus now going to the Father as our great high priest who who advocates for you and intercedes for you without stopping at the Father's right hand. In this we see Jesus. What do we see when he goes to the Father? We see a king seated
1: on the throne of David at the Father's right hand ruling over us, shepherding us
0: and directing all the affairs in this world, every single last one, to the end of his return and the consummation of his kingdom
1: when he, when he receives us to be with him where he is. In that single verse then, we have the all things we know. The
0: disciples have believed that Jesus came forth from the Father. Jesus himself said, now we're going to see next week, Jesus said, you have believed. And then next week we're going to see Jesus says, have you believed? So there's going to be that. But the disciples have believed. Jesus said it. He's not going back on what he said. But they're still full of questions. They've believed, but they're still full to the brim of questions. Today, let me say it one last time. We started out, your first blank was, Lots of questions. Your last, uh, almost last blank is answered.
1: Today, all our questions have been answered. Can I just say that again? All our questions have been answered. We have believed, as even the disciples still couldn't believe, that Jesus
0: came forth from the Father. We have believed that. We have believed that he came into this world. We have believed that he left the world again. And we have
1: believed that he has gone to the Father. And so today, we know all things. So then, let's always be asking, in Jesus' name, so that we might be always what receiving, so that our joy
0: in the all things that we know might be made complete complete, dear heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would you would seal up and, and anoint the
1: the preaching of your word the the message that we all in this room have now heard um, i pray that it would do its work in us that we would all
0: spend a whole lot more time asking help us to help us to ask and to ask and to ask and to ask that we might be receiving and receiving and receiving constantly receiving so that in this receiving so that in our in our knowing more fully and living more faithfully the all things that we know, our joy, our joy that no one can take away from us, ever, that that joy might come to its completion. And we know that, ultimately, we finally have that completion of joy when we see
1: see Jesus' face from our own resurrected bodies, in person, and we know then, even as we are fully known. Lord, I pray again that, that there's any one of us here who've not yet known
0: this joy and they cannot fully identify with the promises that Jesus has given to us, that you would work in us, bring, bring, bring the, the dead to life, uh, the deaf to hear, the blind to see. Um, And for those of us who do see, who do hear, who are living, let us, Lord, grow in that. Strengthen us as was prayed before. Strengthen us in faith to live to your honor
1: and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.